We are on a back-to-back, and this episode is Prospect Pitch. Now, Prospect Pitch, I've had different guests on, but I'm excited about this one because this is Mr. Mavs draft, Richard Stamen, and he is going to pitch me on one of his favorite prospects that he has been talking about for the past, what, two years? Three. Three years. And it is Mike Miles from TCU. So stay tuned to see if Richard can convince me that Mike Miles is a first-round pick. Big, big shout-out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And my co-host, for today is Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs Draft, and this episode is Prospect Pitch. I haven't done one in a few weeks, kind of let the NCAA tournament kind of run its course and did a bunch of episodes centered around that, but now Prospect Pitch is back, and now, before we get into it, how are you doing today? I'm I'm all right. You know, the Utah Jazz uh, almost saved the Mavs tank race, but they could not pull it off, so... Could be better. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I am just, you know, we did a podcast and I'm looking at the scores on my phone and I'm like, I don't know who I want to win. I don't, I'm not a Lakers fan, but at the same time, the Jazz and the Mavs would be tied. I don't know who owns the tiebreaker. So I think the Jazz would technically, it'd be better for them in the tank race. They would have the advantage. So they would be lower. So technically, like if it came down to the playoffs, Mavs would have it. But if you're going for the tank race, Jazz. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, tank. Yeah, tank race. You, you <laughs> did say tank race. All right, let me switch hats. I know nothing about prospects. You are going to pitch me on Mike Miles. All right, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. So, who is this prospect, Mike Miles, <laughs> that you are trying to convince me is a first round pick? Tell me all about yeah. it. Yeah, so a little bit of background on Mike. Uh, and I'll just start with myself. I actually, this is one of the times back in 2020, I wasn't keeping up with high school basketball very much. Uh, and I think that actually probably played out better for me because Mike Miles wasn't a guy that was on a lot of recruiting boards, but he was AAU teammates with Cade Cunningham, Greg Brown, and a few other guys. So a bunch of guys from the DFW area. He's from Lancaster. If I'm not mistaken, he's the highest recruited, ranked recruit to ever commit to TCU. So that's really high praise. And he lived up to this to the hype. What really makes me optimistic about him, just on top of all of that, is that he's 20 years old. He was born in August of 20, or excuse me, 2002. He will be 20 throughout summer league. He'll be 20 on draft night. He'll be barely 21 on opening night. For reference, Brandon Miller turns 21 in like October. And the Thompson twins turn 21 in January. So it's five months, four months of a difference on average between those three guys. And all those guys are at the top. So you're getting somebody at the same, pretty much the same age within months of those guys with three years of college experience. I think that's really valuable on top of just the background though. Just you look at a floor general, you look at somebody who has underrated athleticism. And I think that'll pop a little bit more in the NBA. And I really buy his jump shooting. So somebody who could be a three level scorer with great feel for the game. I'm all about that. 
I, I think, you know, to be a 6'1", 6'2", guard in today's NBA, you really have to pop as a scorer. And I think he will. He's going to develop really well in the next level as he gets older with the level of experience he has already for his age. Is this the same Mike Miles that was on the Ballist Life video in like 2014 when he was a little <laughs> kid? Yeah, so it's funny. I actually didn't know that until I think him or his mom had told me that. he was. She was like, I think it was his mom. She was like, oh yeah, he's had to deal with fame for his whole life because of that video when he was like nine. And I was like, wait, video? And I, I looked it up and it's just crazy. <laughs> yes, ball is life legend, but I, I haven't <laughs> seen him since since that video. All right, so you said he's a 6'2 point guard and you mentioned that he is... He has three years of experience, and he's only 20. So, I mean, what, did he enter college at 17? He was 18. He was a, a pretty much a, a brand-new 18. So, like, at the start of the season, I mean, he was 18. So, technically, yes, 17, he was at college. Like, it's just nuts. All right, so if he were, let's say, he were in the high school graduation class of 2022, and he just finished – his freshman year, would he be more highly touted in your opinion? It depends. So I actually think his freshman year should have warranted more hype. I mean, he averaged 13 and a half points a game, three rebounds, three assists on, on it was only 41% shooting, but 36% from three, 83% from the line. I think there would be more hype. I, I think you look at Kennedy Chandler. I don't think there would have been a great difference between his freshman year and Kennedy's freshman year. I know Kennedy was a little bit more hyped, though, but I don't think there's a crazy difference. And Kennedy just went pretty high second round. Okay. Now, what's the skill set that you think he could hang his hat on? Do you think he's more of a scorer, or do you think he's a playmaker, or do you think he's somewhere in the middle? Somewhere in the middle. I was really surprised when I was looking at his stats that he only averaged 2.7 assists per game. I think it speaks volumes because TCU is like a bottom five three-point shooting team in the NCAA tournament. And let's be real, like assists are a two-person stat. And if your teammates aren't hitting their threes, it's going to be hard to get assists, especially when your whole system is you're being trapped at half court, a la Luka Doncic. He makes quite literally the exact same passes out of the same plays with the same accuracy, which is just nuts. Uh, and he will hit his corner shooters, and they miss a lot because the team just wasn't a good three-point shooting team. So I do think there's more playmaking than, than the stats tell. But I do think his, th his three-level scoring is just going to really be carrying him. And that combination of the two is what I really like. I think he's somebody who is going to finish really well at the rim. I mean, for reference, there were only two or three guards that finished with a better percentage at the rim than him this year in, in terms of layups, or actually just in general, because most of guards just take layups. But he was incredibly efficient. I mean, he jumped from last year being 38% to 49%, actually really 50 if we're rounding up. It was 50%. That's a massive increase. And the three-point percentage wasn't an insane jump by any means. But you look at somebody who has no fear going to the rim, whether it's drawing a foul or finishing, he's got great touch. I think he's just going to explode as a three-level scorer in the NBA when you take away two bigs that he's going to have to be playing with at all times. Plus, there was no defensive three in college. Teams could camp out against him and say, all right, we're not letting you do this. So I think that's going to benefit him a lot. So you're telling me there is a 20-year-old that has three years of college experience in the Big 12, which is the toughest conference in college basketball. Well, some people from the Big East may have, you know, a little say-so about that. So, again, 20 years old, three years of college experience, and he shot 50% from the floor. 
Yeah, and 36% from the field, 75% from the, or I'm sorry, 36 from three, 75% from the line. The efficiency is very translatable. Now, what would you say is the biggest difference between freshman year Mike Miles and junior year Mike Miles? Aggressiveness, easily. He was somebody who he would go to the rim once or twice. He would take a hit and he's like, all right, I'm becoming a jump shooter now. Or he would go to floaters, things like that. And honestly, I mean, I know you said freshman year and, and junior year, but I'll throw in a sophomore year. I did an interesting dive on this. So he took 79 runners as a sophomore and he took 29 as a junior. If you take out every runner that he took last year as a sophomore, his field goal percentage jumps up almost 3%. So he would have been over the same 41%. The runner wasn't efficient. I mean, he was a 26% shooter on the runners. This year, he went up to 51%. So knowing how and when to use that runner has been a major weapon on top of him being fearless going to the rims. That combination has just been lethal. And to me, that just screams great finishing ability that translates. All right, so if we draft him and we want him to contribute and play right away as a rookie, what should his offseason focus be in order to get him prepared? Like if you were coming up with his his preseason or actually summer workout routine, what's the main focus? Yeah, I mean, I think it's shooting. He is somebody who was struggling with the three ball, I'd say pretty early in the season. And then he turned it around come January. I mean, he shot 45% in the last really two months of the season from at West Virginia, January 18th to the last game. That was 13 games. Before that, it was a little bit less pretty. I mean, I was looking at his stats and just, you know, every game I was like, all right, maybe the three balls just may not come around. Before that, he was up, he was at 28.6. So you look at that massive gap. While he did finish well from three, that averaged out to 36.2%, he's got to become a more consistent shooter from game to game. And it can't be just like, you know, some games you have the runner and the finishing, some games you have the three, you have to have all of that at once. And I think the finishing will be there every game, but the jump shooting has got to be there every single night. Now, if he, well, let me ask you this. Did he play a role where he was pretty much the, I don't want to say ball dominant because that could sound selfish, but was he in a heavy usage role where he had to create a lot of scoring opportunities for himself and others? Yes and no. I think actually that's what benefited his three-point percentage was for a good portion of the season. So Damian Ball, the other guard, was suspended for almost all of November. And it took him a little bit to get integrated. And I think really you can point to mid-January and say, all right, this is the moment. This is where they kind of started meshing. And Mike Miles is able to play off-ball and on-ball more efficiently. It wasn't that he had to do everything as the hero on as both roles he could play more easily it just seemed more fluid and that's you know he's gonna have to play in a two-guard system in the nba too that's just the nature of the game now especially when you're six one six two you're not gonna be the lone guard um so i think that's actually beneficial where yes he did have to do a lot especially i'd say as a playmaker earlier in the year and getting shooters involved but having that just being able to play off ball i really think the last two months are going to show why his game translates Good, because I answered my question. Because a lot of times when you have a, a point guard that is used to controlling everything and having the ball in his hands all the time, he struggles off the catch. Like we've had, I mean, there's situations where there are guards that can shoot the pull-up, they can shoot everything, 
but they need a rhythm off the dribble. And then when they're playing with a, you know, basically a max guy that needs the ball, they struggle off the catch. So I wanted to to know how he, how well he shot if he wasn't the primary ball handler. All right, when we return, I have a few more questions, but let's talk about Ibotta. Groceries, school shopping, and getting a little something for yourself, you know you're already doing it. So why not get cash back for it? You can with Ibotta. If you're watching your closet grow after purchasing all the season's latest trends, how about also watching your cash back grow with each purchase? You can do that with Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It is that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. I don't know what $120 can get you shopping. but Or you can use your cash back to buy that flight that you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or that fancy dinner that you have been craving. A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of 2023 due to inflation. You could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more depending on how much you use Ibotta. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that do not amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift card. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, and Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just to try Ibotta by using the code L-O-C-K-E-D when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That is I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store, and use the code L-O-C-K-E-D. All right, second segment. Mr. Mavs Draft is pitching us, or pitching me, or us, the audience, on Mike Miles as a first-round pick. All right, so I'm going to list a few qualities, with five being the best and one being the worst. So if you had to rate... Mike Miles on being unselfish. What would you rate? Five being the best as he is really unselfish or one being he is a ball hog. What would you what would you give him as a rating? Uh four and a half at a minimum. Depending on the night, how much he needs to be that guy. I think that would be the only reason why he'd be less than a four and a half. Like, I mean, he's really unselfish. I think he knows he makes a clear difference of I need to be the guy and I want to be the guy. And it's very rarely I want to be the guy. Like it's within the flow of the offense that he takes over. And I don't think it's a selfish way at all. So I'd say four and a half, five. Okay. All right. What about energy? Well, like what type of energy does he bring to the table? Is he high energy guy? Is he, you know, it depends with five being the best and one being the worst. I'd say it's a five. I mean, he's, he improved a lot defensively this last year. And I think given the load he had to take, Plus the amount of hits he took at the rim while doing it so much going to the rim. I think a lot of guys would have chosen, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to coast a little bit on defense, but TCU had a great defense and he played a big part of that. I don't think, I, I really just think his energy is contagious and I don't think he wanted to take nights off like that motor doesn't stop. 
Okay. Right, what about his instincts? Five. Easy. No question. I, I, I personally, I don't think there's a better, this is such a weird thing. And I talked about, I've talked about this a lot, like on Twitter and stuff, but I don't think I've ever seen a point guard protect the rim the way he does. And that's not the translatable skill. It's not the takeaway. He's not ever going to do that, but it takes, it just tells, all right, he knows what to do. Even if he's not built for it, he will try his hardest. He will get there and he probably will find success. Like he's an underrated athlete and he rotates so quick. He'll get up, he'll go vertical, which is just nuts for a six one point guard to think there are countless examples of it. I've tweeted a few of them. I really think he's somebody who just, I mean, the feel for the game is phenomenal. And that's one sharp example on the defensive end for me. So we got a 6-2 Roy Hibbert. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yep, you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> All right. All right, what about his quick decision-making? I'd say it's a four. I think this is just comes with him being 20 years old. Like, I think it can get better. Um, I also think the college spacing hurts it because he always has to deal with a big camping out in the paint. I mean, it's just the nature of college basketball is there's no penalty for sitting in the paint for the entire shot clock. And I think it throws him off a little bit. I think when defenses have to be moving and moving and moving, yes, that could be a little bit of an issue having to dissect, you know, the angles and things like that and seeing through traffic more a little bit. But I do think he's there where there's at least enough skill and he's young enough to say, all right, we can turn this from a four to a five. Okay. All right. Let's talk about his physical characteristics. What would you grade his length? Five being the best, uh, one being the worst. I think it's a two to two and a half. He just doesn't have long arms. But, I mean, you'll probably get to this, but I mean, he's strong, so he makes up for it. Okay. What about Stop his quickness? Me about a TCU guy. <laughs> what about his Sorry, quickness? What'd you say? Quickness. Uh, four and a half or five. I actually just posted something uh, Tuesday night. I mean, he is very, very quick. Uh, his first step is nuts, and his explosiveness, like going quick into that that jump is very fast. Okay. What about his overall speed? Like some guys can be quick, but not fast. Is he someone that is fast in the open floor? Yeah. Is he more I mean, quick than fast? Four, like on a scale of one to five, like four, four and a half. I think he's very well above average at a minimum. I think he's got great quickness personally, especially that like that initial burst is great. And then he keeps that. He doesn't drop off at all. Like, and it sometimes he's second and third step gets faster and faster. I really just like his ability in an open floor. If somebody's trying to get a chase down block, like good luck. It, it's hard. He's too quick. Okay. What about his overall athleticism? I'd say it's a four and a half. I mean, the really knock is just, I mean, I don't, he only had like a handful of dunks in college. So it's a little bit hard, but those dunks have really popped. I mean, a lot of them were off cuts where he could just finish above the rim where I'd say most point guards, his size in college wouldn't be doing that. Okay. All right. Uh, what about his physicality and toughness? I know you mentioned that he's strong. Yeah, yeah, that's a five. Uh, I, I just I think he added a lot of strength to be able to do that, and the fearlessness, the ability to absorb and finish through contact really matters. And I think that's something where it's just a hands down five for me. Okay. All right. What about his positional size? I mean, it's a two one. I mean, he's not six foot, which is good. Um, six foot one gives you actually a lot more flexibility. It's really weird. The difference of six foot and under guards in the league and then six foot and one and under guards, like it, it's a massive jump. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's not good, not lethal. Okay. Let's talk about the mental characteristics, basketball IQ. Five. I mean, just kind of that same thing. It's, it goes with hand in hand with the instincts. If that's a five, this is a five. I think you just look at somebody who he reads 
defenses very well as a ball handler and he reads offenses very well as a defender. Okay. What about being coachable? Like just from afar, do you think he's coachable? I think so. Um, I don't think I could give a number exactly on that, but I mean, just watching, I mean, I've been at, for those who don't know, I've been at every, I didn't go to the COVID year games in 2020, but I did go the last two years to almost every home game for TCU. So I've seen a very good amount of Mike Miles on the bench. And I mean, he's never frustrated. He's never like fighting back with the coaches. He's always very willing to listen. And it seems like he wants to get better. Okay. What would you grade his maturity and professionalism? Yeah. I mean, I'd say like five. I haven't seen anything that's really taken it away. Kind of like I said, I mean, he just, he doesn't really fight back with anybody. I mean, even last year against Arizona when he had every right to be mad, I mean, he went the the craziest thing he did was tweet about it, like with the bad refing, which was honestly justified. Whereas Daylon Terry was out there ta- like taunting right after, like in his face and Mike just kind of walked away from it. I, I think that's especially at 19 years old at the time, that was pretty mature. Okay, so you, you'd give him a high grade as far as his on-court leadership? Yeah. All right. When we return, now I want to get into his offensive skills and defense. Well, let's talk about FanDuel because the NBA playoffs are almost here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe. It is secure. And it is easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and threes drained. And FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. Do not miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, which is the official sports betting partner of the NBA and locked on. All right, last segment, Mr. Miles Draft. Richard Stamen is pitching me on Mike Miles. So far, he's done an excellent job. All right, let's talk about the offensive skills, shot selection. Uh, again, on a one to five, right? Yep. Or just in general. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a four or five. He doesn't really take anything bad. Uh, I th- do think he could maybe – I really don't even know what he could do better on shot selection, honestly. I, I don't think there's anything bad – not like elite it's not pristine he might force a couple shots at the rim i mean i think a couple examples first gonzaga um you could really see it versus kansas or uh, those were two games and now kansas one was in february at home there were over 30 scouts in that game which is nuts but you know the whole team was just trying to get free throws and he might have he was part of you know trying to force a few a bit of contact at the rim that may not have naturally been there that's as bad as it gets Okay. All right. Let's talk about him as a pick and roll finisher. Well, is there enough he, sample size? You know, college basketball, you may not get a lot of pick and rolls. Yeah. I mean, you're saying as a ball handler coming out, not as the roll man, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. You <laughs> said he's Roy Hibbert, so I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. I, I misled you. Yeah. I mean, I think he's pretty good out of the pick and roll, and pick and roll is the most important play in the NBA as a guard to be able to run. Um, just from synergy, I mean, looking at the pick and roll, a ball like ability, pick and roll, including passes, uh, 67th percentile. It's per, it, I mean, that's still good. It doesn't sound like anything crazy, but uh, I do think that is very good, especially given the field goal percentage. And again, this is pat, like passes included 43%, but um, his own shots, 44%. And he shot only 22% out of threes. Don't really care about that because the whole number 
will change, but I do think his pick and roll ability just to kind of dissect defenses. Personally, I think it's a little bit behind like what Desmond Bain was, but also Desmond Bain was a great pick and roll ball handler. So it's a high bar. So what what's the grade you give him? I'd say a four. Okay. What about as a pick and roll shooter? So I'm talking about like um the pull up dribble and you know, whether it's from behind the line or, you know, when in, in drop coverage, can he make guys pay? Yeah, I think I mean I think he can make guys pay on on drop coverage. His overall off the dribble was pretty rough this year. He did most of the damage as a spot up shooter. But I mean, I think you look back at his freshman year and he was doing more damage. Um, I would say off the dribble. Actually, looking at the numbers, it's actually worse. But uh it did feel like he was able to get this get the screen, get the switch, and toy with his defender. Whether or not he made the shot, it was almost a um you know, just a process over results kind of instance. And to me, he passed that part. So with pick and roll shooting, I mean, probably three and a half, just because you got to get that off the dribble number up. Okay. Uh, as a passer, pick and roll passer, playmaker. Uh, yeah, I think he's really good. He handles traps well. Uh, I can't tell. I, I think, let me ask you this. Generally speaking, when a guy has is double teamed and he's passing out of the double team, um, whether and he makes the pass like it's an accurate pass, does that worry you? I know jump passes, some people get iffy on it because uh, that'll impact the answer, I think. Nah, as long as it gets there, <laughs> I don't care if you got to throw it behind the back, long, long as you can avoid the trap and you can make the team pay for you know for sending two guys at you because there's always going to be somebody open, so it doesn't necessarily have to be the assist, it can be the, the hockey assist, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would give him a four, but then four and a half. Um, just because, I mean, he makes these plays just like Luca does. I mean, I'm telling you, like, he gets trapped at the exact same spots. He gets a screen, they trap him, and he still finds ways out of it to get the offense at least a great shot. So that's really appealing to me. And I think in the NBA, you know, he's not going to be facing those same plays. It's a little bit hard to tell. Okay. But let's, I would say four, four and a half. All right, let's talk about his shooting. Does he have a quick release? Like, if you had the greatest release? Yeah, it's... It's weird because I feel like the shot, I mean, I, I really thought he was going to shoot 40% from three this year. I probably had two high hopes, but 36 is really good, especially given that he was in the 20s last year. But I think it's a quick release. It's a high release. It's not a push shot. It's a very smooth shot. Everything is clean. The guide hand and the shooting hand are, you know, they come off cleanly separate from each other. I would say it's a five in the release. Okay. What about a floater? I'm a big floater package guy. Yeah. I mean, it just comes down for his floater. It's shot selection. It's not ability. He very clearly has that ability. Uh, and he brushed it up. That was his lone shot selection issue for me. This like, as a sophomore was he loved the runner. I mean, like I said, he took 79 last year, 29 this year and the efficiency doubled. So I think he's got the floater and the runner and it's true runner. I mean, he will be going left shooting, right. That kind of thing. And he makes it a lot. So to make it over half the time is impressive in that role okay what about his finishing in traffic versus length what would you grade him out at? it's a five i mean his finishing is unreal he's a top three guard finisher in college basketball this last year okay all right so what about uh we talked a little bit about it shooting off the catch what would you give him as a grade i would say it's a four and a half obviously it could be a little bit better but um i mean he shot 41.7 percent from three like spotting up that that's really good maybe my expectations were just too high on off the dribble shooting but 
his ability to catch and shoot is just really strong. And I think as he gets that more and more consistent, that's really the only knock I could give him that bumps him down from a five. Okay. All right. So let's talk about his passing. You mentioned that he averaged what, a little more than two assists per game, but you know, just looking at the raw numbers, that doesn't sound great for a point guard, but this is an opportunity to put it into context. So what would you grade him as like a transition pass? Or does he pass the ball ahead? Or is he someone that just, you know, it's kind of like when the three-on-two, two-on-one drills back in high school. I've I've seen guys that can't make those passes. So what would you grade him as a transition passer? No, he's quick and he knows how to use himself off ball, especially to set up assists. So like if he'll dump it off quick, he'll cut to the right. I mean, it's just basketball IQ, just filling out the lane and then getting it right back to his cutter after the defense commits in those mismatches. To exploit that mismatch, he does a very good job. So I actually think he's a strong transition passer. That's where a lot of his damage comes from. Okay, so what would the grade be? Five. I, okay. I don't see any issues there. All right, half-court playmaker. Yeah, I would say, I mean, just because I wish the assist numbers were a little bit higher, uh, I'm actually going to pull this up and double-check before I, I fully commit to that one. Um, Yeah, I mean, his half-court numbers are great. That's actually where he got most of his assists. So... I think it's a five. He's he's just somebody who I think in the NBA spacing, he's not going to be having the same turnovers. And a lot of it was losing the ball, like off of getting ripped or something, walking into double teams because of that lack of college spacing, which just isn't going to happen in the NBA. So it's not a it's not a mark on his passing or playmaking ability. It was just the context of the game. Okay. All right. Let's talk about his overall vision. I mean, I think he sees the floor well. Um, to be able to be that good out of traps, I don't think that's a product of bad vision. Like, I think that's something that very clearly means he knows where to look and he knows and he sees everything right. Like, he knows exactly where the trap is coming from. Therefore, he's going to be able to look to that spot. It's usually the corner of the wings, um, very rarely down low. But I think that's something that exemplifies good vision. Is he like a, a flashy playmaker? Is he steady or does he just pretty much control the game a combination of the last two i mean he's steady he's not going to make the you know the no look zip it pass and like do the face and everything he's not going to do that but uh i do think he likes the flair he just doesn't get to show it a little bit i do think that's hidden but i think for him he's steady and just kind of keeps the ball moving he's a floor general i mean he is willing to sacrifice his own assist for the offense and getting points which if he sets up his teammate who sets up the next guy I mean, that's a floor general's job so is he someone that if he comes in for us in a backup role, we can win the minutes with him on the floor? Can he manage the game? I think so, especially if you put him out there with another guard that can play well too. I don't think you can put him out there with a non with a not great shooting guard, um, like a shooting guard, not, not a two. But I think if you put him out there with that, you might see some struggles just – just because, I mean, it might hurt the spacing. I think he needs to be out there with another guard that can shoot. Granted, that's like almost every guard in the NBA. I think you're going to be able to win the minutes barring his shot, like just going AWOL, which I I just I don't believe can happen. All right, defense. Our team needs defense. We can't stop a nosebleed. Is he a multiple effort defender? And if you had to grade him on a scale of five being the best, one being the worst, what would you grade his, his effort so, on defense? I would say his effort, I mean, I think he takes a, a, a lot of charges, which says a lot. I'd say it's a five. He led the team in charges. He tries on ball defense. Now, what will hurt him there is the char uh, just the length, but 
I mean, in terms of effort, you're never going to see him take a playoff. Okay. Can he stay in front of guys? Yeah, he has good, quick, he has quick feet. And honestly, feet matter more than length at first in terms of staying in front of a man. So I would say he has good feet. So what would you give him as far as staying in front of ball handlers? I'd say four just because the length probably uh, pushes him out of some plays that he doesn't need to be in. Maybe three and a half, actually. Okay. All right. What would you grade him as a team defender? Four. I mean, he's somebody who, yeah, the length, uh, you know, four and a half. I'll bump him up. The length is going to hurt maybe not being able to get the intercepting passes that he needs to get, but he's going to rotate every time. He's going to be able to see, you know, he's going to rotate off of his man. He's going to rotate into the plays, out of the plays, whatever it is. He doesn't, he's not about him, which I think helps him a lot on defense too. Like he'll stick in the corner when he needs to. He's not going to leave just to help at the rim. Okay. All right. As far as rebounding, he's a smaller guard, not necessarily a small guard, but is he what I would call like a long rebound competitor? Like I love watching Kyle Lowry. He turns those long rebounds into like, personal rebounds that could lead to fast break opportunities is Mike a guy that he goes and gets rebounds or is he someone that when he gets a rebound it's because it came to him it's more the latter but it doesn't mean he's not going to try on rebounds I mean I think rebounds are pretty one-to-one from college to NBA mostly I mean he only averaged 2.7 rebounds a game so that does hurt but if you look at a lot of his sophomore tape he did get multiple games over five rebounds. And uh, the LSU game is the best example. And he was going against like Eric Gaines, who, I mean, I don't know how his rebounding is exactly off the top of my head, but I do know he was willing to fight against like Tari Eason for rebounds. So I think that says a lot. All right. Last few questions. Let's, and this is the most important question. What is his roster role? All-star, top starter, starter, rotation, roster training camp european option g league or does he need to go get a job and be a family man <laughs> man i would hate to be doing a prospect pitch for the guy who i have to answer the last one for <laughs> <laughs> hey some guys they hey they gotta be realistic man <laughs> i mean for me it's I feel like I'm going to underrate him by doing this. Um, I'm going to say somewhere between a rotational guy and a starter. But I feel like with his combination of age, work ethic, and motor, I could see him being a, a staple of a starter, somebody who you're very happy to have in your front line. I mean, I I was the biggest Jalen Brunson guy, I feel like, in 2018, and I never in a million years saw what he's doing now coming. And you never know when a guy can do that. The work ethic really does matter. Jalen Brunson is one of my comparisons for for Mike Miles. I think I, I, you never know. So I'm not going to count it out, but I'd say, like, given what I've seen right now and, you know, he's 20 years old, I'd say probably starter rotation player. So you're saying if he's Jalen Brunson, then we need to lock him in early and not let him get yeah. to free agency and, and make sure that he – there's a team option in the, in the contract. Is that what you're telling me? Well, step one is if uh, if your said team actually draft the local TCU player. So that's probably step one. Right. Well, that wraps it up, man. This was really good. <laughs> now I can be Raphael. I don't have to be <laughs> the GM and pretend like I have no idea who Mike Miles is. Now, this was really, really, really good. So uh, whoever comes behind you, they have big shoes to fill. Thank you so much for pitching Mike Miles. And Mike, if you're listening, you have someone that not only is a big fan of yours, 
but he knows your stats, your numbers. If you're an NBA team, you have questions about Mike Miles, just call. <laughs> Richard Statement, Mr. Mavs Draft. Thank you, the listener, for making Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen of the day. Now check out the Locked On Game to Game because every top performance in the NBA, every result, Locked On gives you analysis. Locked On Game to Game gives you analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So check it out. You can find the Locked On Game to Game podcast on the Locked On NBA channel. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow with Richard Statement. We just did a back-to-back, and Richard did a phenomenal job pitching Mike Miles. Again, whoever comes behind Richard, I feel sorry for you. You need to watch this film and study it because the way he sold Mike Miles, I'm thinking about taking him in the lottery. So, All right, hopefully everyone has a great day. We are out.